This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris and Sophie are off tonight. We begin with some breaking news out of Chilliwack. At this hour, fire crews are on scene of a major house fire. The rural property on Boundary Road went up in flames late this afternoon. The couple, who have only lived there for a few years, managed to get out safely. The cause of this one not yet known, but as you can see, it is taking multiple crews to put it out. Shock today as word spread there is a BC connection to a New Year's Eve tragedy in Australia. Gareth Morgan, a respected pilot, one of six people who lost their lives yesterday when a seaplane crashed. Tanya Beja has more on what happened and how Morgan is being remembered. Investigators scour the Hawkesbury River, where a New Year's Eve celebration turned fatal. A seaplane plunged into the water near Sydney, killing all six on board. These are tragic circumstances. It's hard. We don't know yet what, what caused it, uh, but it's, uh, it's just a tragedy. British CEO Richard Cousins died along with four members of his family. They were flying in a de Havilland Beaver piloted by 44-year-old Canadian Gareth Morgan. He was an extremely experienced pilot with over 10,000 hours flying time, of which 9,000 hours were in seaplanes. On a personal level, he was deeply respected and liked by me and all of the team at Sydney Seaplanes. It took me a year and a half to get my first job. And Morgan grew up in North Vancouver where he excelled at college soccer before becoming a pilot. His love for the skies led him to jobs in the Arctic and the Chilcotin, where he worked with Gavin Stewart at Tweedsmere Air. From the second that I met him, he had a smile on his face. He was eager to learn. He was just a very positive, humble, outgoing. Nothing was beneath him. The Australian Transport Safety Bureau is now investigating why the plane took a sudden turn in its final moments. Morgan had no time to send a distress call before crashing. For him to, to lose his life uh, in this fashion, it's just, uh, I can't even express in words how, how, uh, how, how, pain, how much pain I feel for his family. Sydney Seaplanes has cancelled all flights until further notice. The Transport Safety Bureau is expected to provide an update on the crash later this evening. Sam, back to you. All right, thank you for that, Tanya. Tanya Beja in our newsroom. We are learning more about a power surge that left 120 skiers and snowboarders dangling for hours in the cold. It happened at the Sasquatch Mountain Resort in Agassiz yesterday. Tonight, one of the skiers rescued talks to our Paul Johnson about what happened and how the resort handled it. I was just taking my 16-year-old daughter up for a New Year's Eve ski. What skier wouldn't have been drawn to Sasquatch Mountain Resort? where recent snowfall and clear skies had delivered a picture-perfect end to the year. Abbotsford's John Pavlovich and his daughter had just gotten on their first lift of the day. You quietly are always thinking, um, I hope this thing doesn't stop, but uh, it did. If you ski or board, 
you know a stalled lift is nothing to stress about. But this one didn't restart after the usual 30 seconds or so. After about 15, 20 minutes, we realized that things just weren't weren't moving. A little freak in nature, just a bit of a, a bit of a power surge is what we believe. Uh, we're still looking into it. A power surge that blew out the chairlift's control panel, leaving 120 anxious people stranded on those chairs high above the snow and ice. Luckily, they knew exactly what to do. This is something that happens every single year in training. So the ski patrol went to work. Pavlovich pulled out his phone to shoot this video as the crews moved from top to bottom, children first in some places, throwing a rope up and then lowering people one by one on a specially designed harness and seat rig. It was run very smoothly, I must say. Okay. Um, there, there was, it was quite reassuring to see people who, who knew quite well what they were doing. Ironically for John, back home there's been more electrical problems. He lives in that part of Abbotsford that's been dark for days because of the ice storm. So much for heading to the mountains to leave your problems behind. It'd be an untruth to say that there, there was no anxiety around it, but, but truthfully, it, it, there wasn't a lot. Paul Johnson, Global News. And thousands of others in the Fraser Valley rang in the new year without power. Ice storms that began last Thursday night knocking out hydro to tens of thousands of customers. John was in the valley tonight where at last almost all the lights are back on. John? Yeah, the last count we have is about 2,200 hydro customers in the Fraser Valley still without power, and this is a big reason why. Now, this is a cable wire, so it's not dangerous, but the effect of the ice is exactly the same. The weight of the ice, enough to pull down this wire and the pull behind me down with it. Now, when you add in all the trees that are being weighed down or broken by the ice, they are now hanging over power lines, and it's been a real mess. As the world welcomes 2018, much of the Fraser Valley seems frozen in time. Ice storm-related power outages leaving thousands in the dark for a fourth straight day. It was freezing. I, didn't ha I don't have no fireplace. I got no, uh, no electricity, no gas. Well, Ezio Ronaldo got his elderly parents out of their Abbotsford hobby farm, he couldn't leave. His New Year's Eve plan's about to get a lot more lively. Miracle, uh, I can tell you this. Uh, baby lambs were born yesterday, uh, New Year's Eve, so two, two baby lambs here. Hundreds of downed power lines, the main priority for BC Hydro crews. And wherever you look, the threat of more. We have seen damage to over 30 power poles, 200 spans of wire, and 20 transformers as a result of these two ice storms. Still crews working around the clock to chip away the overwhelming workload only made harder by the ice. been super busy. This is one of the worst storms I've seen. I think it is, in fact, the worst. But with some patience and perseverance, 80 more homes are connected back to the grid. Feels good because I really want to take a shower <laughs> really badly. Others who still have their power cut using the time to pick up their tools and help others. And everybody's together. You need a hand, you need a hand. That's all it is. That's, all, that's what the community's about. With the cleanup, some needing as much help as they can get. This cherry tree means having no power is the least of their problems. You have to get to the home first. We haven't been able to get in or out in five days. And while no one here expected to start the new year like this, on the bright side by coming together, many in the Fraser Valley are doing it right. Wow, so John, you mentioned a couple of thousand people still without power. How much longer could this go on for them? 
Yeah, we asked BC Hydro if power would be back on for them tomorrow or later on the week. They couldn't give us a good estimate, but they said they are bringing in crews from across the province. One came from Victoria to help out with the effort. But even after all of the power is restored with all of the damaged trees in the area, you can be sure the cleanup effort is going to be a lot longer than that. Sam? Oh boy, thank you for that, John. John Waugh in Abbotsford for us. While many were still sleeping this morning, more than 100 people ushered in the new year with an ultra-marathon. What else are you going to do on January 1st? We wouldn't miss this for the... I've done... This is what, my seventh year? Yeah, it's a bit crazy. <laughs> it's a bit out there. Today marked the 25th annual New Year's Day Fat Ass 50. Funny because the name couldn't be further from the truth for this group. And after they're done all that running, a refreshing dip in the Pacific Ocean to blow away any cobwebs that remain. Well, a new year means new fees, but not everything will cost you more in 2018. The biggest change, most will be paying out less for medical services plans premiums. Aaron MacArthur breaks down where you'll see savings and what will likely cost you more. The joy of the New Year's Eve fireworks, often short-lived. The tax man usually lands hard on January 1st. This year, remarkably different. The government is giving you money back. A lot of money. The medical services premium is dropping by 50%. For an average family, a two-person adult home, $900 a year. So that's a great way to start off 2018. The government is giving all of us a break this year. Hydro rates will be frozen, so will ferry fares. Even the cost of natural gas is going down. Little things that add up to big savings. But it could all be for naught. In April, the NDP will hike the carbon tax, $35 a ton. It works out to eight and a half cents at the pump. We need a break. We need a real tax break. The news, generally bad for homeowners. Municipal governments looking to ramp up spending. Property taxes are on the rise in Vancouver, in Surrey, in Kelowna, just about every other city in the province. And while existing homeowners are facing stress, a new stress test may keep thousands of people from being able to step into the market at all. Values at an all-time high may start to climb down. There's so many headwinds that this market is facing this year. Uh, there's still the foreign buyer tax. The empty homes tax came in recently in the city of Vancouver, which is a big chunk of the region. We've got a very highly valued property market. It would not be at all out of the question that we could see a significant correction. Even with a few perks thrown in, affording 2018 is going to be a difficult equation. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Well, a 10-year-old girl from Vancouver Island is hoping to make a difference in the lives of children she shares a special bond with around the world. She was adopted from China when she was just a baby. Now, like many others, she is looking for her birth family. Nitu Garsha explains how she's hoping to help others like herself find answers about their roots. This was the first outfit that mom came. She may still get a little embarrassed when her mom shows off her baby clothes, but 10-year-old Isabel Smith is trying to trace her life story back to those very early days. I think that's where you were right there. And that's a nice bridge going into town. Believed to have been found near a bridge at just three days old, Smith was taken to an orphanage in Chongqing, China, before being adopted by a Vancouver Island couple 10 months later. I want to know why they gave me up and, like, where they went and if they were ever going to want it. Like, if they ever wanted to find me. Smith is now one of 20 children featured in this short video, all adopted from the municipality of Chongqing. I'm from 
returned to Indiana. Now I live in Canada. The initiative called 100 Kid Quest has grown to include families from all over the world looking to connect their children with their biological parents. There were a number of families that came forward, but they were scared to follow through with the DNA testing. There's that stigma uh, attached to having relinquished your child, and it is it is an illegal thing to do in China. Kristen Lundgren says despite the challenges, the video has led to the DNA testing of at least 15 families in Chongqing. It's been widely shared on social media and has caught Chinese media attention. It's even morphed into a fundraiser to help pay for at least 100 DNA test kits for birth parents. Being in a situation where any parent that comes forward can be tested, that is our big hope. As for Smith, she's still waiting for the match that would change her life forever. Maybe we could have a great relationship. Nitu Garcha, Global News, near Victoria. A few thousand of our closest friends joining Global BC. Chris, Sophie Squire, Christy and Sonia Diol down at Canada Place last night for Concord's New Year's Eve Vancouver. This marked the third year for the event, and a good time was once again had by all. Police say there were no major issues or problems. Crowds were estimated at 110,000 strong. BC's first baby of the new year arriving just nine seconds after midnight, and it's a girl. Jeff Hastings has more on where she was born and how the birth of Victoria's first baby of 2018 caught everyone a little off guard. It'd be a big reunion. Yeah. BC's first baby of 2018 is eight pounds, seven ounces of serenity, but not for long. <gasps> oh, she's up now. Nine, Born just nine seconds into the new year at Surrey Memorial, she doesn't have a name yet, but she has her parents' hearts. They're firmly wrapped around her little fingers. Feeling good, just, yeah, and happy. <laughs> Before I was nervous, but now I'm feeling happy. You're natural, look at that. I'm feeling great. So lucky to have a baby princess. Baby, gentle. No hospital can claim little Hallie Ray Tuit, Victoria's first baby of 2018. First daughter was 22 hours labor, and I was hoping for a shorter labor with this one, but uh, no, I, I did not expect to be having a home birth on my laundry room floor. Hallie was five days late, but when she decided to arrive, she didn't waste any time. Mama Lane was getting ready to go to the hospital and told firefighter Dad Rob they weren't going to make it. He came downstairs and told me he was going to take a quick shower, and I said, no, you're not. I was kind of running around like a chicken with my head cut off, like I said, trying to corral a two-year-old and get towels and blankets and have a phone pinned in my shoulder. And <laughs> I pushed twice and then laid down on the laundry room floor. <laughs> And uh, pushed again, and she was born. I was kind of sitting there on the floor with a baby on my hand, not quite totally sure what to do. Born at 4.53 a.m., 8 pounds, 3 ounces, and with a story she'll hear for the rest of her life. I think it all worked out pretty well, and it's definitely a, uh, a memory that we'll always keep, and we all got to share together. Daddy delivered a second daughter on the laundry room floor. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> Jeff Hastings, Global News. Oh, congratulations. Some of BC's bravest ringing in the new year with an icy dip today. And while a number of polar bear swims across the country had to be cancelled due to the extreme cold, Jennifer Palma has a look at some of those in this province who decided to grin and bear it.
It was all fun and games at Vancouver's English Bay where everyone was ready to bear it, including the king. So I quickly come off and expose the fat Elvis that I am today. Um, I'm doing the polar bear swim. Hey, because I thought it would be pretty fun. You're going to clean up your pipes today. I am going to give them a good salt water bath. <laughs> and frighten a few fish at the same time. 1,761 swimmers registered to take part in the Vancouver polar bear swim. The temperature was one degree. The water, a balmy six degrees. In Prince George, taking the plunge was a whole other matter. To even jump into Ness Lake, a section had to be cut out. With the wind chill, it was minus 15. 50 swimmers taking part to raise money for charity. It was cold! Um, to raise money. The 33rd swim in Summerland had 100 swimmers running into the water, whether they wanted to or not. This was not my idea. I'm, I'm a follower, not a leader. And I did not make it all the way. 450 swimmers ran into and out of Okanagan Lake in Kelowna. The temperature at the time, minus 9. Felt like a kid. Felt like a little kid all over again. It was awesome. In White Rock, the goal was to swim out and ring a bell, but not everybody was in tune. I'm not ringing that freaking bell, no. <laughs> Back in Vancouver, the 98th annual Polar Bear Swim helped everyone wash away 2017. We started because the reindeer needed to be cleaned off after the big long, and now it's just tradition. Happy New Year! Jennifer Palma, Global News. North Korea's Kim Jong-un seems to be softening his stance on South Korea. Today, in his New Year's address, he hinted at the possibility of sending a delegation to next month's Winter Olympics. But at the same time, he extended an olive branch to his neighbors. He also upped the nuclear threat towards the United States. NBC's Kelly Kobiea reports. Tonight, Kim Jong-un, in a rare appearance, unleashing an ominous warning. The whole of the U.S. mainland is within our firing range, and the nuclear button is on my desk. It's not a threat, he said, but a reality. The president reacting at a New Year's Eve party. We'll see. We'll see. After a ballistic missile launch in November, Kim Jong-un now claims his nuclear weapons program is complete. Experts analyzing the video said it was the most powerful missile yet, possibly capable of striking the U.S. East Coast. But North Korea still has technical hurdles to cross. What is the main message? Well, the signal that Kim Jong-un is sending to Americans is checkmate, you know, game over. You have to deal with reality. Kim Jong-un never mentioned President Trump in his speech, instead extending a hand to South Korea and offering talks. Yet no sign the North is ready to disarm, despite U.N. sanctions. Kim Jong-un announcing a new goal today, mass-producing nuclear warheads and ballistic missiles, the country's New Year's resolution for 2018. Kelly Kobiea, NBC News, Seoul. A scary scene in Florida where the Coast Guard rescued an elderly man from his sinking vehicle. The 89-year-old somehow drove his car into the water at a marina in Panama City, Florida. Thankfully, Coast Guard members saw the car go in and jumped into action. They were able to break the man's window and pull him to safety. 
In health news tonight, a sobering statistic. Only about 8% of people are able to keep their New Year's resolutions. But the experts have some advice. If you've resolved to exercise, start slowly. Doing too much too fast can lead to injury and derail your plans. Overhauling your diet? Start with small changes, like adding one piece of fruit to your lunch or replacing one of your daily sodas with water and build on that. As for giving up smoking, the CDC says get through cravings by staying busy, chewing gum, keeping hard candy with you, and drinking more water. It's not too often you see SkyTrain passengers rocking out like this. Where the dance party happened is coming up after Christy's forecast. So let's check in with Christy, who is battling a sore throat tonight. Yes, sorry, I had a sore throat leading into last night and then, you know, being out there and partying it up. Well, we weren't really partying, we were working, but it was fun. Um, Looking at the conditions out there right now, unlimited visibility, but the fog is starting to come back in. And a lot of people took advantage of the blue sky higher up early this morning. You can see a lot of people up on Mount Seymour. I have a great weather window photo coming up a little bit later that I'll show you as well from up on Seymour. Looking down over the city, you can just see the peaks of the, of the, um, uh, buildings there. And then do we still have the shots from underneath the fog? No, we don't have that one. Okay. That's okay. Um, I, there were some shots from uh, underneath the fog. If you were underneath it, oh, there you go. It certainly is gray and uh, it was cold underneath there. So last night, wind chills and early this morning, about minus five underneath that fog. Uh, so a bit of a polar opposite uh, conditions across the region for our first day of 2018. And we are going to finally see a bit of a change. I know a lot of people, especially those of you out in the Fraser Valley, need a reprieve from the cold. Those of you across northern regions as well. So what what we've had is a strong northerly flow, and that's kept things cold for a good four to five days. But things are shifting, so this whole jet stream is going to shift so that we'll see more of a southwest flow across our region. Unfortunately, it'll take a little while for us to scoop out that really cold, dense air for those of you in the interior. So hang on. Be patient. It will happen by at least Thursday. You'll see a huge improvement. And it means more snow for the mountains as well, right across the region. All right. When we look at the forecast, we are going to see a few flurries into terrace uh, showers along the coast. Interior regions, though, dry and cold. Uh, you'll see two more days of this before you really start to feel a change. And that's the case across southern B.C. So highs of minus 7. You're still dealing with the valley cloud. Higher up is where you're seeing the sunshine and the warmth, very similar to what we saw in the pictures from Mount Seymour. And for the south coast, so again, we'll see some low-level cloud, but tomorrow we'll see a bit of a change in that we'll see some high-level cloud as well. Back to mainly sunny skies on Wednesday, back to more cloud on Thursday. Thursday night, though, that's when it really shifts, and we'll start to see more rain and milder conditions push in. Happy anniversary on this first day of 2018 to Helena and Reg Bohr. And here's our weather window from our own Jordan Armstrong, who got up even earlier than those other people. You can see the sun just making its way up over the mountains. A beautiful morning shot. I hope he hadn't gone to bed to get that shot, I think you got up pretty early for it. Right. All right. Beautiful shot, Jordan. Thanks for sending that in. And Christy, we'll get you some tea with honey. Thanks. Well, you saw them rocking out before weather. A bunch of Canada Line passengers having way too much fun. This happened around 8.30 last night on the Canada Line from Waterfront Station to YVR and back again. 
A double car full of New Year's Eve revelers, music in tow, clearly having a great time. Makes you want to dance. Well, reality shows featuring families often showcase the lowest common denominator of dysfunction. But one of Quebec's up-and-coming celebrity families is setting a new example and doing it in a very big way. Global's Anne Leclerc explains. We were 17 and 19 when we started having kids. Uh, our oldest is going to be 17 in February, and our youngest is 18 months now. Bobby, you? Tara Lawson and Pascal Grou never expected they'd have a huge family. It really isn't a religious thing for us. It, it kind of happened one at a time. Hey, 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 Bianca. People have called them crazy, courageous, but Grou simply credits his wife for being a natural. Baby machine, yeah. Well, she's, she's beautiful pregnant and she loves to be pregnant. So much so that they are now the proud parents of nine beautiful children, five boys and four girls. We just talk about it and it'd be like, oh, okay, that you know, we can add another one, we can add another one, and everyone's like, you're gonna stop now, right? You're gonna stop now, right? I was like, no, I think I think I can go for, and my thing has always been, I do not like odd numbers. Quebec has grown to love the Gru family. Their first show became such a hit with more than half a million viewers. A second season is now on its way. There's always action in the house. You never uh, get bored. But outnumbering your parents also has its downside. The toughest part about having lots of brothers and sisters is that they always need to be watched. You have more people to play with. It's like really fun to have a big family. So much fun that there's now another baby on the way. Number 10 is due in March. Anne Leclerc, Global News, Montreal. Oh, wow. You can't take care of a houseplant, let alone 10 children. (laughs) What people won't do to get their own TV show, eh? Well, I don't think. As soon as I saw that, not a kid. I bet you there's a television show somewhere around there. That is awesome. I know. Who's cooking for them all? Who's cleaning? Not me. (laughs) How much do those people make a year? Because that would cost a lot of money, wouldn't it? It would. It would. Yeah. I guess the show helps, yes. The show yeah. helps a little bit. Okay. We are going to start with the Canucks. We are going to start with the Canucks. Uh, they play tomorrow, and then that's it for a while. You won't see them, at least not live and in person. You can see them on television, of course. Uh, they have one more home game tomorrow before a seven-game road trip. And the game tomorrow is against Ryan Kessler, who's healthy again in the Anaheim Ducks. Oh, and Kevin Bieksa. Uh, that trip will start Saturday night, the Canucks road trip, that is, in Toronto. And on that road trip, you will likely see the return of Sven Berchi. He's been out with a broken jaw, but he should be good to go by the time the road trip comes around. Also, as we mentioned before the break, Chris Tanev, he's going to play on the road trip, but he could be ready to go for tomorrow's game against the Ducks because the groin injury is almost gone. Today felt de- definitely the best it's, it's felt so far. So, I mean, it's, a, it's definitely a good step. Does that make you an option, do you think, then, maybe for tomorrow night? Um, potentially, yeah. So uh, we'll go back and, and talk to trainers, talk to Doc, and then I'll, I'll probably morning skate tomorrow, and, and we'll see how it feels. Only one game in the NHL that was played where the Mets usually played in New York at City Field, the Winter Classic. Rangers had a 2-0 lead on Buffalo, but Rasmus Ristolein and ties it in the third. But the uh, Rangers get a power play in OT. JT Miller in front of the net, gets the rebound, scores the winner. Crowd goes wild. Rangers win in OT.
And the Giants played this afternoon at home against the Prince George Cougars, and they went into OT as well. Uh, this is Dennis Chalofsky for Prince George, the second of the game, tied at 3-3. In overtime, though, James Malm with the winner for the home team. The Giants have been rolling 8-1-1 in their last 10 games. Elsewhere in the Western Hockey League, when it comes to the uh, BC teams, Kamloops a winner over Victoria, and Medicine Hat needed overtime to beat the ice. Okay. Uh, what do we got here? Rose Bowl, Oklahoma against Georgia. Winner goes to the national championship game. Great start for Oklahoma. Look at this trick play. I like it. The quarterback, Baker Mayfield, will catch the pass. 31-17 at halftime, but Georgia roars back. Sony Michelle, and this is his third touchdown run of the game. They would go to double overtime. And then they did the direct snap to Michelle, and number one goes in for number four. The winning run for the senior. The Bulldogs haven't won the national championship since 1980, but they have a chance to do it in 2018. And there you go. Uh, but there's more later. There's more later. There's one more game that's decided the other team. No, I'm talking about more of oh, your sports. I thought you were a huge NCAA football <laughs> yeah, fan. No, I'm I can't sorry. get enough of it. Yes, no. of course. Plays of the week. Plays of the week. week. Plays of the years. Plays coming of up. the year. Plays of the 52 weeks, if you like. <laughs> yes. Right. Okay. Thanks, Squire. Okay.